Thank you, Pastor. Got it. So just a quick recap of what we have done um, last Wednesday. Uh, we just saw that the Bible sees um, a human being, Adam, uh, as made up of three individual components like soul and then heart and spirit. And we have seen in detail what soul means, what heart means, what spirit means. Basically, uh, soul is all about passion. Even hunger is referred to as soul in the Old Testament. And in the heart, we saw that, you know, it refers to different bodily functions hand, feet, tongue, all uh, eyes, all these are related to heart and spirit is basically the human spirit. And uh, we have in 1 Corinthians 2.11, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. The human spirit, the human spirit is something we need to nurture we need to, it's quite tender uh, too often we ignore the sensitivity of this human spirit uh, but the human spirit has to be nurtured uh, as we eat food for the body uh, we have to feed the spirit with god's food for man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes so this word of god should feed the human spirit and that's where we find growth. Then we saw that the book of Psalm, uh, basically the book of Psalm is an expression of our emotions. You know, the book of Psalm expresses pain, joy, praise. All those emotions are there in the book of Psalm. Uh, basically, if you go through the book of Psalm, it teaches us how to process our own emotions or even our own experiences. Um, every day is different. Some days we may be joyful, some days we may be very sad, some days we just don't know what's happening. Uh, so <clears throat> how to process all these emotions? So that's where the book of Psalm <clears throat> helps us, how we um, process our experiences before God. Uh, basically, it is a prayer book. So even before we go into the presence of God, these Psalms helps us how to connect with God in the midst of all our uh, varying kinds of emotions that we go through. And we saw that Proverbs is totally a very different kind of book. Uh, both Psalm and Proverbs, they're totally different because Proverbs calls us to think to study, to learn. Uh, basically, it is a practical discipline. Uh, it is, it's basically the kind of exercise we do in gym to build our body. Same way Proverbs is a kind of gym, mental gym that helps us uh, to center all our thoughts and actions on God. It's a kind of discipline uh, if we study the book of Proverbs pro properly. Uh, we, we can say that this is the book which gives us idea about practical life, how to make a decision. We face different situations. So how do we make decisions? And most of all, how do we make wise choices? And we saw about a little bit about Proverbs, and we said that Proverbs is poetry. It's, it's written in a poetic language. And uh, the most fundamental mark of Hebrew poetry is parallelism. There are two short lines. One line amplifies the other line, or it limits the meaning of the first line. So we have to read these two lines together and we need to think and process and find out what is the meaning of this proverb. Sometimes the second line will magnify the meaning of the first line. 
or sometimes it may just limit the meaning of the first line. <clears throat> but both these lines are important because they sharpen our understanding. Only one line will not help us much. So these both lines are given uh, as a matter of explanation, as a matter of for us to think, ruminate on these ideas. And we said that another important feature of this poetry, Hebrew poetry is vivid images. There are clear images in the Proverbs uh, basically to tell us that there's, there's something like metaphors. This is like that. This image is something like that. And it helps us to even think beyond that. And we can also start thinking, oh, if this is like that, this can also be like that. So that's the way we make this as a practical book in our life. Proverbs we saw as poetry. Then we said that Proverbs is a puzzle. Because if you read the Proverbs, some of the Proverbs will say that if you do this, you will prosper. If you do this, you will be successful. Uh, then after some time, uh, you read that sometimes good people also suffer. So there is that confusion. Uh, but actually, it is not confusing. Um, maybe for our Western educated people, it is confusing. But uh, for Hebrew people, it was not confusing because they knew uh, the nature of Proverbs. Uh, when we take one Proverbs uh, as a standalone promise or command, then it's going to be a problem because they are not standalone promises. It is not that if you follow one command, your life will be good. It's, it doesn't uh, convey that kind of meaning. Basically, we saw that each proverb is a description of some aspect of how life works. It is not possible to capture our entire life in just two short sentences. It's not possible. So each proverb only gives us a description of some aspect, not all the aspect, some aspect of how life works. And we saw this example, uh, Proverbs 26, 4 and 5, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. The very next proverb says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. So we said for a modern mind, this looks like a contradiction, but it is not contradiction at all. Once you understand the nature of proverbs, uh, there are some times we should not answer a fool, but there are some times we have to answer a fool according to his folly. He will understand that language only. Uh, so when to do this is discernment, and that is where wisdom uh, comes into play. So when we read Proverbs like this, it is not contradictory. Uh, it's, it is talking about life circumstances. There are certain circumstances you just keep quiet and come out of the place. There are some places where you can stand, take a stand and speak out. You, you cannot have the same uniform level of, you have the same reaction uh, in every situation. That's why Proverbs is a practical book. So sometimes we have to keep quiet, sometimes we have to answer. So we, we should not read Proverbs as a strict command or as a promise. Uh, Proverbs are basically observations. You know, he observes, the wise man observes what's happening. It, it is a market level intelligence, market level, uh, wisdom, practical wisdom. So he goes to, the, it's like being in the market. Sometimes when you answer, it works out. Sometimes when you keep quiet, it works out. So it is observations of some aspect of life or how life works. Uh, so each proverb has a, conveys its own meaning. So the best thing should be for us to 
take all the proverbs, collect it under the particular subject and read them together, then we'll be able to gain much from the proverbs. Um, then we saw that proverbs is just one chapter in the whole Bible because uh, there is every possibility uh, people will say 10 steps for a successful life. Uh, you know, you, the title and all is quite appealing. And if you read in Proverbs also, I can get, take some nice steps and say, if you follow these 10 steps, you will succeed. Uh, because I can quote the Proverbs, take 10 Proverbs, do, do like this, don't do like this, and collect all these 10 Proverbs. If you follow, your life will be a success. But that will be too impractical because when you come to the next book of Ecclesiastes, it says everything under the sun is vanity. You know, too much of reading itself is um, burdensome. So when you read the Bible, we have to remember it is one whole book. So this Proverbs is just one chapter in the whole Bible. So we should not, you know, some people, will, you know, religious people will say, if you do like this, you are suffering because of this. They have an answer for everything. And they will even quote a Bible verse. Uh, <clears throat> despite we taking all the care, precautions, still things will go wrong because we are living in a fallen world because we are living in a fallen world, despite our good choices, making informed, considered, thoughtful choices, things go wrong. For some people, it works well. For some people, the same kind of choice will go wrong. So we need to be very careful, understanding that we are living in a broken world, and uh, we cannot say that I will follow these 10 steps. Uh, my, my, the outcome will be like this. No one can say that, you know, I have done this, so this is going to happen. That's the, we don't have that kind of a, um, assurance from the word. We only know bad things also happen. God will kind of turn those bad things also for our advantage. So when we read Proverbs, we have to remember it is just one chapter in the whole Bible. And the Bible has only one story, right from Genesis to Revelation. It has only one story, and that is the story of Jesus. So whatever we read in the Bible, we should read it in the light of the person and words of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we have to bring Jesus Christ in whatever we are doing, whether we are reading Ecclesiastes or Proverbs, we should read it in the light of our Lord Jesus Christ. The New Testament clearly says, the Lord Jesus amazed his listeners with his wisdom. People were just amazed. They were just you know, spellbound when Jesus spoke. Uh, Jesus himself claimed that he is the new Solomon. And he is the ultimate wisdom. And Paul calls Jesus as the true wisdom of God. We saw in Colossians 2.3, in whom are hidden, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I hope you are able to recollect all that we have studied uh, last uh, Wednesday. We move forward. Uh, what is wisdom? Now, when we, when we talk about wisdom, when we are talking about a proverb, in the Hebrew word, it is a masal. So a proverb is a poetic, brief, very clear, vivid, thought-provoking saying that conveys a world of truth in a few words. It is a very difficult thing. That's why we have to think, process, to even to make a proverb. Now, I do, uh, as a child, I remember there were some proverbs. People will talk. If not from the Bible, uh, people will say, 
may be a problem. But I don't think that, uh, especially city people, they have something known as proverbs. I doubt, I'm not sure. Uh, but in every language, there are proverbs. So uh, if you're growing up in a village or a community setup, you get to hear people will be saying uh, proverbs. Uh, if you do like this, this will happen. They'll, they will say in, in terms of a proverb. Uh, so we should remember, they're all very short, pithy saying. And they are neither absolute commands nor promises. Uh, and often they are partial. They don't convey the complete meaning. You cannot just stand on one proverb alone and say that this is how life should work out. It conveys some truth, not complete truth to cover all situations. Uh, basically, proverbs are observations, as I said. You know, the wise man is just observing in the society. You know, um, in a city, probably people keep changing their houses. You don't even get to know. But probably in a village context, you know, people uh, live in a particular house. Uh, they settle down in the same house. They marry. They have their children. They die. You you are able to observe if you live in that place 30 years, you can see this person's life. It has ended like this, this person's life. You can observe. I'm not saying judging. Uh, you're, you get to observe uh, how people have lost their wealth because he was a drunk, how people have come up, though he was very, very, they were very poor, but because of hard work, how they've come up. So this kind of things you are able to um, observe. See, these people are poor, but they're generous. They're very rich, stingy, but then at the end of the day, uh, they are nowhere, but these poor people have come up. So how you use your resources, you're able to observe all those things and learn. Uh, that's what is, uh, that's what we learn from Proverbs. Basically, it's about how life works. Uh, but for that, we need to have hard thinking and uh, sustained reflection. It is not the moment you see, you immediately come to a conclusion. You start thinking, reflecting, and then you come to your conclusion. Oh, if this is the way the life is going, um, I think this is how it should be. This is something wrong. This is something right. Hard work is something good. Uh, laziness is something not, not right. Because in the time when they have to sow, they don't sow. They are lazy. And when it is time for harvest, there is nothing in the field. So these are the observations we make. And uh, we come to those valuable lessons. Uh, it is typically like, I don't know how many of you are, uh, you know, in the, in the, you are used to this candy, the hard sweet. You know, you go and I remember you have to give just two pi, naya paisa, and you get a candy. Um, you cannot bite it, and if you try to bite it, probably you may break your uh, tooth. It'll be so hard. But the beauty of that is you can keep sucking that for a long time and enjoy the sweetness of it. So Proverbs is something like that. You just don't quickly read and try to say that I've understood. Proverbs is something we have to keep chewing, meditating, thinking, and then try to figure out. You know, that's, that's where you enjoy the richness of Proverbs. It is not only for people who are deep thinkers. Proverbs is a practical book. You know, in every situation, you know, when, when your child returns from the school after a fight, maybe after losing something valuable, or maybe you get all of a sudden a huge increase in your income, or if you lose your job, what do you do? That kind of wisdom is there in the book of Proverbs for practical situations. 
how we respond to practical problems. You know, that wisdom is available in the book of Proverbs. And the more we grow in the knowledge and image of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, we also understand this book better because Jesus Christ is the wisdom himself. So what we need to first realize is in what area of life do you most need to grow in wisdom? Uh, if you just read it, just overall, just like a book, general book, without having some sense of direction, uh, then you don't benefit much. I'm going to read this book because I want to see some improvement in this area of my life. So first you need to identify, each one of us can identify, maybe in the way you, you know, in, in the way we handle our time, time management, uh, how do I manage my time wisely? How do I handle all these gadgets wisely? This is wisdom. This is practical book. How do I handle relationships? How do I treat different relationships? Where is the priority? How do I do that? How do I handle my finances? How do I communicate? How do I discipline myself? How long I should sleep? How well I should sleep? This is a practical book. It'll, it'll teach us how well we should sleep, how long we should sleep, at what time we should sleep. How should I eat? So first we have to identify what is one area you, will th you, you think that you should grow in wisdom? in what one area and then continue to work on that area, whatever inputs you get, you work on that area and that's how we gain wisdom. Without any direction, without any sense of direction, I'm going to read this book. I want to grow in this particular area. It's a, it's a very practical book. How can I be efficient in my job? How can I communicate well? So if you if you're able to find out some areas in your life where you feel that you would like to grow, if you're not sure, you can think about it, you can reflect, write it on your in your notebook, and then as you go through this book, keep writing the instructions that you get, and then you start working on that and then you grow. Uh, we don't grow without any efforts. That's the problem. Wisdom doesn't come just sitting under a tree. It's hard work and we have to work hard. Now, the first thing we will learn in this book is the fear of the Lord. You know, we know very well, the wise fear the Lord. If there is one Proverbs, that is key to this entire book uh, is the fear of the Lord is uh, as a beginning of knowledge. Now, we have already seen that almost all people, most of the people, they acknowledge in the existence of God, at least in some superpower, big power. Uh, they all acknowledge that. Uh, they also know that that higher being, I'm not only talking about Christians, I'm talking human beings in general, that higher being uh, is wiser and stronger than us. But the problem is, it's only wise people who are willing to submit to that higher authority. And the foolish people, they don't care though they might say that there is a higher being, superior being, 
who is wiser and stronger, they don't want to submit their lives and they are called as fools. So the fear of the Lord is the key to Proverbs. Uh, we see in Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Discipline is basically instruction. In the book of Proverbs, when we are talking about discipline, it's basically instruction. They don't want to listen to instruction. And uh, in Proverbs 9.10, we see the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Ultimately, the fear of the Lord should help us to grow in the knowledge of the Holy One. It is again becoming more like Jesus. He is wisdom personified. So the fear of the Lord should lead us um, to growing in the knowledge of the Holy One. Now, when I say the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, because we have we, have, we know this verse from childhood. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. What comes to your mind when you think of the fear of the Lord? What kind of fear comes to your mind when you think of the fear of the Lord? Uh, you can unmute and answer. You can use the chat box. You need to constantly keep interacting. If you use your chat box, we'll all learn together. Or you can speak, unmute and speak. Pastor, I feel it is a reverential fear, not the fear you have when you see a stray animal. You're very scared. No, not that fear. It is reverential fear. Thank you, sister. It's reverential fear. Oh, thank you. Anybody else wants to add? The awe of God, you know, the awe. Awe of God. Standing just in awe of God, that, that's holy God. Hello, Pastor. I want to share. Hello. Yes, yes, Preeti. Yeah. I fear God means like how now I started believing more Jesus. So when some temptation or some wrong thing comes in my path, though I fear a lot. Okay. It's yes. not correct. So like that, it feels. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a holy fear. Yeah. Keeps you from doing wrong things. Yeah. Yeah, it's correct. Holy fear. Yes. Because of the love that we have for God. Love of God. Yes, Sister Grissom, love of God. Uh, all of you have given these inputs. So basically for us to study, uh, how do we develop this fear of the Lord? Uh, how do we, you know, if you just say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, for a little child, if we, if we want to inculcate that fear of the Lord, how do we do it? Uh, it's right, we have a reverential fear. We have a holy fear. We are, we are mindful that God is watching us. We stand in awe of this great God. But how do we practically, how do we instruct our children? Or how do we instruct ourselves uh, in the fear of the Lord? So when we... The, take this term, the fear of the Lord, uh, we, we should never make the mistake of dividing this as fear and the Lord separately. Uh, it, is, it is something like if you're a chemistry student, you will realize that you know, for the water, we have the uh, formula H2O. Uh, but if you take hydrogen separately, oxygen separately, both have different characteristics. But if you put them together, hydrogen and oxygen, um, then you get H2O, that's water, that has got different characteristics. So 
it, it is a compound. So the way we study the fear of the Lord is like that. We don't separate the fear separately, the Lord separately. We put them together and we try to study because this is an instructional manual. How do we teach the fear or how do I learn the fear of the Lord? Now, the fear of the Lord uh, involves two things. One is rational. Now, rational means basically instruction. You can write it uh, against this rational. It is just instruction. It is teaching. That means the fear of the Lord can be taught. We can instruct. I can instruct myself in the fear of the Lord. I can teach myself the fear of the Lord. It is not something we you know, keep praying that give me the fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. Prayer is always good, but the word of God is there. We should pray that we will grow in the knowledge of the Lord. But once we understand this is rational means, we can teach, there are instructions, there are teaching, and it is very important. If you want to grow in the knowledge of God, this rational component, this instructional component is very important. And it is not only rational, it has non-rational aspects. Non-rational aspects is nothing but emotional aspects. Um, if you make it only cerebral, you know, you cannot stand in awe of God. When it becomes non-rational, you express your emotions. Love of God. How do you express love? Um, a robot cannot express love because there are no expressions. Uh, when you love somebody, there are change in your facial expressions. So you need to have those non-rational aspects. So if you want to love the Lord or fear the Lord, you should have both that knowledge, those instructions, as well as the uh, emotional aspect. And that is what is known as the fear of the Lord. We have already seen that, you know, this, this wisdom has come through revelation. We have seen that God has revealed this revelation has come through a higher being. Uh, we saw about natural theology. People observe, and uh, even in every religion, there is some kind of wisdom. The difference in biblical wisdom is it is always brought under the authority of God. So God has revealed that wisdom. So we stand in awe of God. So all the answers that you have said, uh, reverential fear. Reverential fears come because of the rationality. You know, you learn who this God is, how big this God is. You stand in awe of God because of your non-rational, because of the rational things, you have learned that God is so big. Now, because it's so big, now stand before him, you stand in awe of God because of your emotional aspect. And you, the fear God loves you so much, so you again come into this non-rational aspects, your emotions, love, love. So that comes as non-rational aspects. So when we are talking about the fear of the Lord, if you want, yes, well, temptations, when I'm going wrong, I don't want to do it because I love the Lord. I fear the Lord. It's a holy fear. It is not a fear that God will destroy me. It is because God has rescued me. How can I ever do this to this loving person? So that is the fear of the Lord. And this we can always teach, we can memorize, and we can learn. So both the aspect of rational and non-rational are important. Uh, I'll give you uh, Bible verses in support of this. Psalm 34, 11. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. This is where wisdom comes into play. How I spend my time. 
this world will always keep distracting us. In a world where we handle electronic gadgets, there'll be all forwards and all, it'll all be Bible verses and all, but there is a time when we have to devote the time to God because we have to listen to him. We have to read the word of God. If we, if we don't, if we ignore that, we will not be able to grow in the fear of the Lord. Now, listen to me, I will teach. Fear of the Lord is something uh, we can learn. Uh, Psalm 19, seven to nine. The law of the Lord is perfect, uh, refreshing the The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. now, <clears throat> this, this fear of the Lord, you know, all these terms, the law of the Lord, statutes, precepts, commands, decrees, when we have all this, it shows we fear the Lord. In other words, all these terms are nothing but a co-referential terms to the fear of the Lord. That's why I've given in the different color. If you read that, All are of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord. So we have instructions. We have guidelines. So when we have all this, we we have that fear of the Lord. Uh, We don't fear the Lord just in a vacuum. Uh, We have those instructions. We follow those instructions. So all this, when we learn memorize, understand, then we have the fear of the Lord. Uh, You know, this helps us. Now, when we have this fear of the Lord, it helps us uh, in having a standard moral conduct. You know, even in the villages, I'm not talking about Christians. I've heard when people say he did like this, didn't he have the fear of the Lord, fear of God? I'm sure we all would have heard, uh, which we don't get to see in a city context. But growing up in a village, then you said this bad thing has happened. This person did like this. Doesn't he have fear of God? People react like that. So this fear of God refers to a standard of moral conduct. And it also motivates people to right behavior. Now we heard that when I'm tempted, when I feel I'm wrong, uh, the fear of God motivates people to right behavior. It is not that God will destroy me or something. It is just, how can I do to this God who loves me so much? The fear is not in the sense we understand fear. It is just that, uh, you know, he's he's so loving. Uh, it is that kind of a fear. Uh, you know, you, you have a loving father. You, you, you just can't think of going against his wishes. It is not that fear in terms of, you know, he, he will beat you or he'll punish you. Just that love. When love overflows, we develop a kind of reverential fear. It is not like the policeman. When we look at a policeman, we fear it is not that kind of fear. It is this, this is a kind of awe that we have for God. We have this fear of God. Right in the book of Genesis, you know, this fear of God refers to a standard moral conduct and it motivates people to right behavior. If you remember the story of Abraham, he goes to the king of Gerar and he tells Sarah to say that she's his sister. 
And then we find in Genesis 20 to 10 and 11, and Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. When immorality increases in a land, there'll be no fear of God. Sometimes I realize why our leaders are not talking about moral values. We can have high philosophical points, but that's not going to help if you don't have fear of God. So fear of God is very important. If you don't have moral values, that clearly shows we don't fear God. Uh, in Exodus 1.17, we read the midwives however feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Midwives, they feared God so they could stand against the order of the king and they did not do. And interestingly in the Bible, we find that their names are Sifra and Pua. You know, midwives names are there in the Bible because they feared God. Um, so fear of God also means loving God. You know, we can say that fear of the Lord is equal to love of the Lord. When we read in the book of Deuteronomy, we don't come across the term fear of the Lord. Rather, we will find the word love of the Lord. Both are synonyms, fear of the Lord, love of the Lord. Um, when we love God, we really fear God. Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God. If you love him, that means you fear him. When you love a person, you will not hurt him. You will not do something wrong. You will like to do things which will please him. So love the Lord your God is equivalent to fearing the Lord. So how do we develop this, this, this love for God or fear of God? Uh, we can develop this through heartfelt prayer, the more prayer, not a prayer of just petition, just being in the presence of God, uh, we develop and by diligent seeking of wisdom, we need to spend time, little time, whatever time, Whatever is important for us in life, we will find time for that. Whatever is important. If God is important, we will find time for God. Uh, so we should do that. So Proverbs 2, 1 to 5 says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In Proverbs, you also find humility being um, treated as equivalent to the fear of God. Humility. In Proverbs 15.33, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord. And humility comes before honor. So wisdom and humility. So humility, how humble we are. Proverbs 22.4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Talking about the life of Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself. So humility is the fear of God. So we, we not only believe in God's promises, we love God. We love him more. So we also take his instruction seriously. When God says, don't do this, we take it seriously because we love him. We don't want to go against his desires. 
So the fear of the Lord is something like a kind of affectionate reverence. It is not the authority that we see in this world and we, you know, like police, authority, military, not that kind of an authority, just that reverence, that standing in awe of God. So because we stand in awe of God, we bend ourselves, we bow ourselves, so we become humble. We make ourselves, we just come before God because he's big, he's God. We are just human beings. Now, that's the fear of the Lord. Now we come to the next thing. Why is the tongue valuable? Why is the tongue valuable? Quickly, any answers? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah, so whatever is in the heart comes out through our mouth. Mouth, mouth. Through our tongue. Tongue, yes, Pastor. Anybody else? Uh, out of the tongue, we can praise God. Out of the tongue, we can praise God. Yes. Uh, the book of Proverbs, if you read the entire Proverbs and you find there are two main things that this wise man is talking about in this book of Proverbs. One is words and another one is wealth. So a wise man is one who knows how to speak or to use his words. And also a wise person is one who knows how to use his wealth. You, when we are talking about wealth, it is not the question of amount of money that you have. Whatever is in your hand, how do you use it? Uh, that is what is known as um, uh, wealth. Now, we are going to talk about tongue today. Let me see how much I can clear. Uh, follow the finish. The wise and words. The wise people and their words. So how do we define whether a person is wise or fool? Is there any definition? Uh, if you read this book, you don't find a definition as such, but you can always see that there are two areas. And if you follow them in these two areas, you can make out whether he's a wise person or a foolish person. As I said, one is words and another one is wealth. Now, how we speak and how we handle money uh, will determine whether we are wise or fools. For example, there are seven abominations in, in one particular place in Proverbs chapter 6, 16 to 19, seven abominations out of which three, they refer to misuse of words. Um, you know, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. How often do we realize that our words can be detestable, disgusting to God? The words that we speak, I, I was just thinking about myself. I have not been conscious about that. I have not been always conscious that my words can be disgusting to God. It is abominable uh, to God, disgraceful to God. So the words, the normal words that we speak, it can be pleasing as well as detestable to God. And you see in the seven abominations, three refers to tongue, a lying tongue, a false witness, a person who stirs up conflict. So words are very, very important. So we need to develop. I think that's one thing we generally lack. It is about communication, the way we communicate. Uh, we all pick up from our parents and we don't pay much attention to speaking well. Talking well is, is an investment. If a father and mother can speak well, instead of you know, not bringing all the slang languages, 
what we hear on the street is not the right language. It is acceptable, but it is detestable to God. Uh, we have to refine our language for the simple reason that when we don't refine our language, it is detestable to God. So this is the fear of God. This is the love of God. I will change my words because I don't want to displease my God. It comes out of love for God. Uh, so when we say we should learn to talk well, we should learn to say the right things. This society, this culture teaches us, you speak it through lie, get your things done. But we have to be careful with our words, saying the right things, and that's the truth. And how we speak the truth, whatever is the truth, we should say that in a in the appropriate, appropriate manner. So that is important, how we use the tongue. Now, it is very important, um, all the modern consultants and all the experts will say your communication skill should improve if you want to do well in your business, if you want to communicate your message. So all social relationships also depend on some form of communication. Uh, so if you want to build up a community, you need to have a good communication between the members. Um, that's why in Proverbs 15.4, it says, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Now, since the words are so important, now let's look at the characteristics uh, and what are its sources. If we really want to change the way we speak, uh, why is it so important? Why words are so important? Uh, I'm sure that some of us must not have paid enough attention to our words because we have been speaking the same language for many years and we have never even thought, oh, can I change my language? Can I improve my language? I'm not talking about grammar. I'm talking about the words the words we use, uh, that is important. Uh, the first characteristics uh, is the tongue has the power of life and death. I'll quickly give three Proverbs, Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs 10, 19, sin is not ended by multiplying words. Proverbs 17, 27, 28, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent. So these are the Proverbs that speaks about the power of life and death in words, how we use our tongue. Now, the tongue has the capacity to shape our beliefs and convictions. It comes out of our heart. If our heart is right, right words will come out of our tongue. So even in sharing the gospel, if our words are right, we are affecting the eternal destiny of some, somebody else who's listening to us. So communication is very important. That's why in the book of Proverbs, it is presented um, in the form of lecture. Father is giving lecture to his son. Almost there are 10 lectures in this book. And he's telling his son, please incline your ears to wisdom and life. And in the form of lecture, he's teaching his son wisdom. Now, the way we speak, it affects the belief of other people. For example, gossip. You know, they just whisper into the ear, but the amount of damage it does. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. That's why we should be careful. Gossip is not a good thing. 
Proverbs 29, 5, those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. So when you are talking about words, words are like tree of life, fountain of life. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and the one who is wise saves lives. So the words are very important. Proverbs 13.14, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. And this is available to all of us right now. We, have we not hurt others by our words? It is not we took a knife and we tried to attack them just by our words. Words are powerful. Have not others hurt us by their words? So that's the power of words. Power can destroy, power can make life, power can heal. So the first thing that we saw is about the tongue. Um, Tongue has the power of life and death. Book of Proverbs concentrates on two things, mainly one is words and the next one is wealth. And words are very important. You know, Genesis 1, God created everything with his word. That's the power of word. Creativity. And destruction also comes with words. So it has power of life, tree of life, and a fountain of life. You know, so the tongue has the power of life and death. Okay, the rest we will see um, next Wednesday. Uh, any insights, anything you want to share? Do you think tongue is very powerful? Tongue is very important. Yes, Pastor. Thanks, Asha. One new thing I learned is how to read the book of Proverbs with a target in mind, as in this is what, because otherwise we tend to go all over the place. So that's one thing I Yes. The okay. Pastor. Yes. The tongue has power to shape somebody. The tongue also has a power to break somebody. Yes. Thank you for your insights and uh, it has been a wonderful learning from today's message. Thank you. Yes. We have just seen one characteristic of a tongue. Um, next Wednesday, we'll continue with that and we will see uh, what more tongue has to offer. Uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, we thank you for this wonderful time of Bible study. Thank you for instructing us. Thank you for teaching us. Give us a receptive heart, O oh Lord, to receive your words. We pray we will not only be hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of the word. Wherever we need to change, show us those areas, O oh Lord. We don't want to be where we are. As a child of God, you expect us to constantly grow in the knowledge of God, we pray we'll be growing Christians, O oh Lord, irrespective of our age. You have given us life only to grow. And Lord, I pray that you will nourish all the words that we have heard. You will nurture this study and you will bless each and every one of us so that we are able to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength. 
Bless all of us with good health. Keep us under your wings. Take care of all our needs and continue to give us wisdom, O oh Lord, to make wise choices. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God bless you, you all. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor.